Today's Thursday, January 18th. The title for our devotional is Salvation. Yesterday we saw that trials refine our faith and we can even rejoice in them. In verse 8, he switches gears a little bit, but not much. Let's read it. We'll read 1 Peter 1, 3 through, uh, we'll read through verse 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. These believers have not seen Jesus like Peter has, yet he says they love him. They are not currently seeing him, but they still believe in him. As Jesus tells Thomas after he finally believed that he is the Messiah, only after seeing him alive, in John 20, 29, Jesus says to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So again, Peter is likely reiterating this idea from Jesus. The three verbs in this section are the two instances of rejoice. Uh, Three verbs are in all of three through nine. Uh, two instances of rejoice in verses 6 through 8, and love here in verse 8. All the other words translated to English as verbs are actually participles. They can act as verbs, so we don't lose much there. However, for the sake of studying the word, these are the main ideas Peter wants to get across. He is commending them for loving Jesus and rejoicing even in the midst of suffering. This again is attained by faith in the gospel. This joy, he says, is inexpressible and filled with glory. Perhaps it is inexpressible because it is filled with glory. Words simply fail to describe the joy believers can have in our covenant relationship with God. Joy and suffering makes no sense to those whose hope is dead and empty and whose inheritance is temporal. I've heard Mark Sayers and John Mark Comer describe our culture as the worst culture in the history of the world at dealing with suffering. We have made happiness our ultimate purpose in life. In this framework, suffering is at best a temporary pause to our purpose and at worst an outright destruction of it. How can one have joy in the midst of that? Suffering, which is all around us all the time, leaves people feeling hopeless, empty, and depressed. For the Christian, however, our purpose is in knowing God, loving God, being with God, and glorifying God forever. In this framework, as Peter expresses here, suffering can produce a more pure faith that will be rewarded when Jesus returns. This is cause for rejoicing, and nothing can take this joy from you. In verse 9, Peter says that they are obtaining the outcome of their faith, the salvation of their souls. Obtaining is in the present tense, so does a current lived reality for his readers. A few verses earlier, he referred to our salvation as in the future, at the return of Jesus. This reveals the tension that theologians call the already but not yet. Believers have been saved, but have not yet experienced the fullness of that salvation. The inheritance example is a great example of this. In the ancient world, the son's inheritance was thought of as legally theirs, even while their father was living. Daughters, they received their inheritance through their husband when they got married. So although they hadn't attained it yet, it's theirs now, in a sense. 
same idea with salvation. Salvation here is likely speaking more broadly as well uh, than just going to heaven when you die. Likely it refers to a deliverance from all the effects of sin on creation, the final step in God's redemptive plan of creation. Soul uh, likely also doesn't mean just ghost in the machine or just the spiritual aspect of the person. He is likely using it as the seat and center of life, both in our life now and in eternity. That being the case, Peter is referring to the deliverance of all of who we are from the effects of sin. Again, we experience this in part now, but when Jesus returns, we will experience it in full. So this side of heaven, we will never fully experience this, to be clear. But we can experience it more and more through our life with Christ. In this born-again life, we can experience a conversion from the powers of sin to the goodness of God, from hatred to love, from sickness to health, from lies to truth, from hostility to peace, injustice to justice, evil to good, pride to love, bitterness to mercy, greed to charity, anxiety to trust, and depression to joy. This is essentially the process of discipleship, experiencing more and more of the salvation of our souls, which we already have, but not yet in full. Perhaps suffering allows us to experience that salvation more than we otherwise would be able to without it. So we live in the tension of it now, with the living hope that when Jesus returns, he will make all things new. There will be no more death or mourning or pain. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. For reflection time today, how are you feeling the tension of salvation that is here and now, but not yet in full? How does this tension produce a longing in you for the return of Christ? Thank you.